Welcome to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society's 2019 Awards Show. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And our award show opening theme was created and performed by our mysterious listener, Brent Eggert, a.k.a. Vic Villare, a treasure of the Twin Cities music scene. Thank you, Brent. Today, we're looking back at the classic and not-so-classic old-time radio stories featured on the podcast in 2019. We'll tally votes from listeners, special guests, and your mysterious old hosts in order to declare a final winner and loser. At the end of the show, we will award the Porky and Mike Loving Cup, named after the anti-heroes from the Quiet Please classic The Thing on the Forble Board to the very best old-time radio selection of 2019. We will also reward the singing gorilla Medal of Dishonor, named after the ill-fated ape from the dark fantasy disaster Spawn of the Subhuman to the very worst old-time radio selection of 2019. The nominees in order of appearance on the podcast are The Young Man with the Cream Tarts from Escape Aunt Emmy from The Clock Catwife from Lights Out. Flesh Peddler from Suspense. Client Mike Pelly from Defense Attorney. The Hunt from Creeps by Night. The Perfect Script from Hall of Fantasy. The Long Night from Suspense. The Lottery from NBC Short Story. Death Wears a White Robe from The Whistler. The Death House Rescue from The Shadow. Out of This World, also from The Shadow. The Haunted Trailer from The Mysterious Traveler. Pigeon in the Cage from Suspense. The Red Hand from The Weird Circle. The Outsider from Black Mass. The House on Lost Man's Bluff from The Hermit's Cave. Frankenstein from Favorite Story. The Cave of Night from X-1. The Gollum from CBS Radio Mystery Theater. My Son John from Quiet Please. Till Death Do Us Part from Inner Sanctum. The Adventure of the World Series Crime from... The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Fugue in C minor from Suspense. Remodeled Brownstone from Columbia Workshop. The Circle of Death from The Shadow. The Dream from Lights Out. The Masks of Ashore from The Hall of Fantasy. Bad Dreams from The Clock. Murder Comes at Midnight from Inner Sanctum. Mission Completed from Suspense. Legacy for a Ghost from The Lone Ranger. The Indestructible Mike Matter from Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I Saw Myself Running from Escape. Am I My Brother's Keeper from Nightbeat? The Queen of the Cats from The Mysterious Traveler. The Man Who Hated Scenes from The Price of Fear. The House and the Brain from The Weird Circle. The Silent Avenger from The Shadow. Quiet Please from Quiet Please. The Martian Chronicles from Dimension X. The Tom Keeler Murder Case from Broadway Is My Beat. Come to the Bank from Lights Out. The Snowman Killing from Fear on 4. The Signalman from Beyond Midnight. And last of all, a Christmas carol from the Campbell's Playhouse. Now, let's hear from our first round of special guests. Look out! Hey guys, James Scully here from the Breaking Walls podcast, the podcast on the history of American network radio broadcasting, which is, by the way, available at thewallbreakers.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. And I'm here today for the Morals End of Year Awards for 2019, the best the worst, the wild card. So do I believe is the best morals episode this year? Well, I guess this is kind of a trick question because it's five episodes in one. The yours truly Johnny Dollar saga of the indestructible Mike matter. As one of my favorite five-part dollar episodes, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the morals breakdown of it. I like the fact that the guys, Tim, Joshua, and Eric, not all of you guys had heard this particular five-part dollar episode prior. So... When we were listening to each individual episode, Monday through Friday of that week, after the episode would air and you guys would come on and talk about your recaps as somebody who knew the conclusion, it was funny hearing the speculation of people who had nothing to do with the series, nothing to do with the plot line, according to you guys, maybe being somebody who had something deeper to do with the plot line. I liked the real-time aspect of good old-time radio. Now for the worst. Well, this is not your fault, morals crew. But I really don't like The Lone Ranger. I think it's really corny, especially from a dialogue point of view. In ways that, surprisingly, something like The Adventures of Superman on radio is not. So, my least favorite episode of this year for morals was Legacy for a Ghost from The Lone Ranger. It has nothing to do with Tim, Joshua, and Eric. It's not your fault, guys. It's just that The Lone Ranger is corny. And the wild card episode. Well, for me, this is an easy one. It goes to the recent Thomas Keeler murder case from Broadway's My Beat. 
Uh, specifically, not just because I like Broadway as my beat, but although the series was, in that incarnation, produced, written, and directed in Hollywood by Elliot Lewis, with Morton Fine and David Freakin doing the writing, Larry Thor starring, it's supposed to be clearly set in New York. And Elliot Lewis, being somebody from New York, understood what New Yorkers were like. And they really, really wrote strong New York-centric dialogue. Things that you guys, when you were describing the episode, really hit on. Some of the things that, why are these people just talking about something that has nothing to do with the plot? Well, that's New Yorkers. We tend to sometimes be a little bit stressed out and we want to talk about our day when you're coming to us with questions about a murder. A murder? Murder? What about my day? My watch is broken. So, that's my best, that's my worst, and that's my wild card. I am James Scully from Breaking Walls, the podcast on the history of American radio broadcasting. Hey, Tim, Joshua, and Eric, keep up the good work. I've been enjoying your podcast for over two and a half years now, and I'm looking forward to 2020 on morals. Thank you, guys. Hi, everyone. This is Cheryl Huntingford. I'm the author of the Viv and Charlie Mystery Series, which is set in the world of radio in 1930s Chicago. I first found the Morals Podcast, I believe, in March of 2018, um, and I was so excited about it that I binged every episode up to that point, became a patron, and I knit myself a sweater while listening to it. So every time I listen to your podcast, guys, I think of that sweater. Um, I actually requested several episodes after I found your podcast, uh, one of which Joshua picked for uh, the 2018 season. Uh, it was Mars is Heaven by X-1, and Eric hated it, <laughs> and it made me laugh because he hated it for almost all the reasons I love it. I mean, who doesn't love a good film strip sting in, at inappropriate times? So that leads me into my first pick, which is the best episode of 2019. I chose The Cave of Night, also by X-1. I picked this because I actually hadn't heard it before, which is a little bit rare for me. Um, I've probably listened to hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of old-time radio shows um, over the years, uh, both for research and just for fun. Um, So I hadn't heard this, so it was a special treat for me. Um, And I didn't guess the ending. I didn't guess the twist. So I was just as shocked as everyone else. I'm not going to spoil it, but um, I didn't see it coming, and that's rare for me. I think it's just uh, part of the job as a mystery writer that I I kind of get to see behind the curtain. So I know how how writers think, (laughs) so I often see the twists coming. And uh, people don't like watching movies with me (laughs) for that reason. Um, I also like the ending because it was almost X-Files-ish. I'm also a big X-Files fan. Um, It seemed a little bit ahead of its time in that way. Uh, And and I really, really liked it. My pick for the worst episode of 2019 is The House and the Brain by The Weird Circle. I, I don't even know what to say about this particular episode. Um, as I said before, I've listened to hundreds of hours of old-time radio, and when this title came up in my podcast feed, I thought, oh, I've heard that before. And I had probably two or three times in my throughout my listening history of old-time radio, and I could not for the life of me remember what it was about. I just remembered the title, so I thought, Okay, I'm really going to listen to it this time. I'm really going to get into it, and I'm sure I'll remember after the first 30 seconds. Uh, no, <laughs> I really didn't. I had no, I had no memory of this episode, even though I know I'd heard it in its entirety several times. So then I thought, okay, I'll listen to the guys talk about this episode, and, and they'll break the plot down for me, and <laughs> I'll finally understand it. Uh, that didn't happen either. Everybody was just as just as confused as I was, unfortunately. So at least I know it's not me. It's not some sort of uh, weird uh, deficiency in my, my OTR memory. Um, I do want to give a special shout out to Eric for uh, recapping the entire nonsensical plot of The House and the Brain. Uh, I think the recap took longer than the actual episode, so... Kudos to that. Kudos to all of you. 
Um, so now time for plugging myself. Um, as I said, I'm the author of the Viv and Charlie Mystery Series, set in the world of old-time radio, 1930 Chicago. It follows an up-and-coming radio star uh, named Vivian Witchell and her, her side, well, she's the sidekick, <coughs> sort of, to the real-life detective Charlie Haberman, who's also her on-again and off-again love interest. Uh, my, you can find my three books, The Darkness Knows, Homicide for the Holidays, and Dig Deep My Grave, anywhere books are sold. Um, so find your local independent bookseller or library, uh, and you can find them there. You can also check out my website. It's CherylHuntingFord.com, and that's spelled C-H-E-R-Y-L-H-O-N-I-G-F-O-R-D. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you so much, uh, James and Cheryl. What was House in the Brain about again? <laughs> Hold on, let me replay your recap. <laughs> I remember doing a recap, but I, honest to God, I'm with you, so Cheryl. it starts with the painting of a guy that they're at an auction and they want to buy. Oh, that one. That. Yep. Now I remember. <laughs> Cheryl, I know I didn't like your X minus one, but I did go buy your books and give them to my wife for Christmas last year. So there's that. I hope that makes up for it. He did. I've seen them in his house. Yep. And uh, <laughs> your books are in his house. <laughs> and she loves them. And James from Breaking Walls, thank you so much for your input as well. And I want to throw this out there. I'm well aware that the Lone Ranger is corny, and I have the Lone Ranger tattooed on me. Uh, I would never recommend it to anyone to listen to. Uh, it's just <laughs> I thought a... you meant the tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really hurts, and it's infected. <laughs> it's uh, childhood, right? Yeah. It was beautiful when I was a child, and that's such a reminder of childhood. Are but you yeah, talking about does... the tattoo again? Yes. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. I have a question for you guys. After doing this podcast for three years now, how good do you feel you are at predicting our responses to a story? Is there a particular episode that elicited reactions that you found surprising? Every time I think I got it, like I know how your brains think, I do get thrown for a loop. I'm right sometimes. I go, okay, this is a Joshua thing. This is a Tim thing. But I get do get thrown like, oh, I didn't see that perspective coming. So I think I really love that about the the podcast in the sense that I don't want to figure you out. You know, I don't want to know, you know what's coming. Always treasure this. Who are you people feeling? Every time I knock on the door, I have to explain who I am again before Eric will let me in. That started as a way, I think, to make the conversation more lively and feel more spontaneous. Mm. And then it became something I really loved about it. I love trying to guess what you guys are going to think and sometimes... I love worrying about <laughs> what you guys are going to think. And I think the yeah. episode that surprised me the most, and I think the only time that I felt a little like, I'm sorry, <laughs> was the Mysterious Traveler comedy episode. The Haunted Trailer, I was shocked. I thought we were coming into that discussion to go, how about that piece of junk? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? What a piece of junk. And I was really shocked to be like, yeah, that's comedy nuanced <laughs> that's mm, that's a funny dynamic of the being three of us we never know are we gonna be the one guy right. or are we gonna have the other guy on our side <laughs> right you're either alone or you're teamed up you're either alone or you're with tim <laughs> uh, all right well let's get back to our Voting because in addition to our special guests, we also collected votes from listeners via our Facebook discussion group. And if you're not a member, we encourage you to pause this episode right now and join, for goodness sakes. In the best of category, listeners chose the following finalists. Flesh Peddler from Suspense, The Long Night from Suspense, The Cave of Night from X-1, Mission Completed from Suspense, The Indestructible Mike Matter from Yours Truly Johnny Dollar, The Tom Keeler Murder Case from Broadway Is My Beat, and come to the bank from Lights Out. And the winner is... The Indestructible Mike Matter from yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yeah, congratulations, Indestructible Mike. <laughs> That's interesting. We're going to save our votes until the end, and we're not even going to respond to your votes so that you can't guess our votes until the very end. We don't even know each other's votes. We There's don't. so many lies and so much deceit <laughs> on this podcast right now. I've got a lot of money riding on this. <laughs> the group also voted for the worst of 2019. Finalists were Catwife from Lights Out, the Perfect Script 
from the Hall of Fantasy. Yay! Oh, wait, this is the bad list. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. The Red Hand from the Weird Circle. The Haunted Trailer from the Mysterious Traveler. Ouch. Till Death Do Us Part from Inner Sanctum. Out of This World from The Shadow. The Queen of the Cats from The Mysterious Traveler. And The House and the Brain from The Weird Circle. And the winner is... <laughs> Catwife from Lights Out. Mm, I saw that coming. <laughs> wow. Not shocked. <laughs> okay, let's take a short break from 2019 and talk a little about what's happening in 2020 because uh, we have a lot of great stuff planned. Over the next few months, we'll be discussing a number of series we have yet to feature on the podcast. Pete Kelly's Blues, Candy Matson Yukon 28209, Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, Tarzan, and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, just to name a few. Our mysterious listener, Mark, was kind enough to remind us that 2020 marks the 100th birthday of several notable figures in American radio drama. We plan to celebrate the centennials of writers Anthony Ellis with a discussion of his story, The Abominable Snowman from Escape, and actor Jack Webb with a fascinating episode of Dragnet called The Big Ruling, recommended to us by another mysterious listener, Tim. We're also catching up on our Patreon rewards with three special episodes. The first is a selection of mysterious old radio parodies featuring The Fiddler from the Jack Benny program, a Peter Lorre guest appearance from The Martin and Lewis Show, and George and the Dragonette from Stan Freeberg. After that is a two-part discussion of the first and last episodes of Suspense, The Lodger from 1940, and Devilstone from 1962. And speaking of Patreon, we have some brand new benefits for members, including a new podcast called Cliffhangers of Doom, featuring classic old-time radio serials too long to fit into our regular format. Eric, tell them which serial we're starting this month. The City of the Dead from Adventures by Morse, and I am so excited. It is uh, a little embarrassing. But wait, there's more. We're also introducing a quarterly members-only podcast called Mysterious Old Bedtime Stories featuring public domain suspense, crime, and horror stories read by your mysterious old hosts. Our first release of the year will be Three Skeleton Key, read to you by Joshua. If you're a fan of our previous members-only podcast, Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio, do not fear. It won't be monthly for the time being, but we will continue to release the occasional episode, including an upcoming discussion of one of the weirdest vampire stories ever told, The Man Upstairs, from the BBC radio series Ray Bradbury's Tales of the Bazaar. If you want to learn more about Patreon benefits, please visit patreon.com slash themorals. We unlock the first two episodes of Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio, The Last Dinosaur from the Green Llama, and The Revenge, an experimental BBC radio play that uses no words, just sound. If you like what you hear, please consider making a pledge and unlocking all the content, including a recording of our 2019 Fringe Festival show, Frankenstein, Two Centuries. And last but not least, we encourage you to make a very late New Year's resolution to come see us perform live on stage. In January, we kick off a series of monthly old-time radio recreations at our new home, Park Square Theater in St. Paul. For more information or to buy tickets, visit ghoulishdelights.com or parksquaretheater.org. This summer, we're trying something completely different, a live recording of this very podcast. We're not entirely sure how it will work, but we know it will be the last weekend in June at the Bryant Lake Bowl Theater in Minneapolis. If you live in the Twin Cities, it's a great opportunity to be part of the podcast. If you live somewhere else, it's a great opportunity for a road trip. Last year, we had one intrepid listener who flew all the way from California to see us perform. And boy, were his arms tired. Ah. <sighs> yeah. And now let's hear from our final special guests. Hi, my name is Tim DeForest. I've been listening to the um, podcast for about three years now since I stumbled upon it by accident. I'm afraid I didn't know it existed before then. And I've listened to it regularly since then, and I always appreciate it. Um, and my pick for your best episode of 2019 was a difficult one because you guys have done a number of excellent episodes um, this year. But I, in the end, I'm going to go with episode 122, The Long Night from Suspense, where Frank Lovejoy, in a perfect performance, plays an air traffic controller trying to talk down an inexperienced pilot. It was a great script, a superb script that had a veneer of realism over the whole thing, full of tension and full of suspense, uh, with a high-impact ending. And the commentary you all did afterwards was insightful and intelligent and added a lot to my enjoyment of that specific episode. And I really appreciate it. Now, 
my pick for the worst episode is also difficult because even when you highlight in a radio episode I don't care for, I always enjoy the commentary. But in the end, I'm going to have to go with Catwife. Now, I am a fan of Lights Out, and I am a fan of Arch Olber's often over-the-top storytelling. And But with Catwife, in the end, it is just the sound of those meows get on my nerves. Every time the wife meows in that, and she's meowing constantly, it's like somebody is running sandpaper up and down my spine. It is horrible. It makes me want to grab a nail and drive it through my forehead in an effort to self-lobotomize myself to make it stop. It is just the worst. And once again, I'm normally a fan of Lights Out. I'm a huge fan of Boris Krolov, who I think was one of the best actors on radio ever. But those meows just get to me. They're blah, they make me scream. Um, now, my, I would like to give a Frosty the Snowman award to uh, the snowman killing from Fear on 4 that you did just a few weeks ago, uh, because as tragic as that episode was, the, um, the, Mr. The, the Frosty the Snowman shout out that, uh, that Eric gave during your commentary was absolutely hilarious. It had me on the floor, and I appreciated that. Um, and that's it. Now, when Joshua emailed me and asked me if I wanted to submit a clip, he mentioned that I was allowed to plug my books. So I will be very self-promoting for a moment and say once again, my name is Tim DeForest. I've written a number of books on old-time radio and other aspects of pre-digital pop culture. Um, you can find them on, uh, on Amazon.com. And you are welcome to buy all of my books and make me wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice. You can also visit my blog at Comics, Old Time Radio, and other cool stuff. And I also produce a podcast myself on Edgar Rice Burroughs. So thank you very much. Hey, Eric, Tim, and Joshua. This is Amy Pavi, producer, director of 12 Chimes It's Midnight an anthology horror audio drama podcast in the style of old-time radio. I am really honored to contribute my vote to your best and worst of 2019. Honestly, it was, it was a tough ask, guys, but uh, here goes. For the best of 2019, uh, my vote is a tie between Lights Out's, Lights Out's Come to the Bank and Suspense's Fugue in C Minor. I adore the slow reveal of both of these stories, and they are fantastic but subtle subjects. Both stories really stuck in my mind. The stories were clear enough to, to satisfactorily understand what was going on, but left enough questions to really haunt me. These are my favorite type of stories, the fantastic served up in an atmosphere of reality. Uh, my vote for the worst is The Mysterious Traveler's Queen of Cats. Uh, this story did not sit well with me. It was just people being mean to each other. All the characters are thoughtless and contribute to the bad situation, and I disliked them all. It just felt cruel and petty and annoyed me. So there you have it. And you asked for a wild card category, so let's go with It Made Me Wince. For this category, I vote for The Price of Fears, The Man Who Hated Scenes. First off, the episode contains two of my earliest crushes. I remember when we were tweens, my best friend, you know, as many girls did at that age, had a big crush on Mark Hamill. But I had, uh, I was the weird kid with crushes on Vincent Price and Peter Cushing. So, so how excited was I when you included an episode starring them both? This episode was interesting in that uh, I had a physical reaction to the ending. I really admire the dialogue of the story's climax. It allowed me to fully realize just seconds, literally seconds before the final reveal, uh, what had happened to the lovers. I was genuinely horrified. I remember physically wincing and squeezing my eyes shut to get through the description I knew was coming as Peter Cushing's character described the situation in more detail. I obsessed over the episode for the rest of that evening and throughout the night and the next day, wincing every time my mind insisted on creating the vivid image of the scene and torturing me every time. Well, that's it for me. Thanks again, fellas, and I'm very much looking forward to another batch of great old-time radio in 2020. Happy New Year!
Greetings, fellow Moralsians. This is Pete Lutz, the creator and director of The Cellar, an audio drama horror anthology podcast series, and one of the co-hosts of another old radio discussion podcast called Old Time Radio Essentials. I'm very pleased to have been invited to give you my opinion on which episode was the best of 2019 and which was the worst. I'll do my best to keep it short, even though this was a very hard decision to make in both categories. There were just so many episodes to choose from. My initial opinion is that it was more difficult to choose which one was worst because there were a number of pretty awful selections to choose from. So I'll give you my choice on that one last. So... For me, which one was best? To make it easier on myself, I chose a top three in no particular order. Fugue in C minor, Suspense, The Snowman Killings, Fear on Four, and Quiet Please from Quiet Please. Of these three, Fugue in C minor was the only one I'd heard numerous times. I had a cassette of this show back in the 90s. I loved Vincent Price's and Ida Lupino's performances, and the story itself was awesome. Quiet Please was one of those quirky ones, not horror, not mystery, not suspense, but it got me right around here, and Ernest Chappell was in perfect form. But I think of these three, the snowman killings really hit the buttons on horror and suspense, and even though it wasn't truly old-time radio, having been made in the 90s, it had to me a wonderful Lucille Fletcherish flavor to it, and so for me, the snowman killings takes top marks as the best of 2019. <sighs> okay, now for the worst of the worst, and again, I made a top three. Wanna hear it? Here it is. The Masks of Ashore, the Hall of Fantasy, have to say that one very carefully, The House in the Brain, The Weird Circle, and Catwife, either a Lights Out or one of Arch Obler's plays. Now, I'm sure Joshua is mighty surprised that I didn't choose one with Mercedes McCambridge in it. <laughs> I've made it plain elsewhere how I feel about her, so I won't risk your wrath here. Anyway, let me tell you a tale. Back in 1982, at Christmas time, I was in the Navy on a ship in the Indian Ocean. My girlfriend back home gifted me a wonderful collection of old-time radio shows on cassette, one of which included Catwife. Now, this was my first exposure to the works of Arch Obler, and I enjoyed it at the time simply for the sheer novelty of hearing Boris Karloff doing a radio show. The other two, The Masks of Ashore and The House in the Brain, I heard for the first time on Morals. But I was already familiar with those other two series. To me, very few episodes of Hall of Fantasy rise to the level of classic OTR. They're historical pieces, if you will, but they're poorly written and badly acted. The Weird Circle had a few good episodes, but The House in the Brain just ain't one of them. So now we come to which one is the worst— and even though I enjoyed it when I was 19 years old, 56-year-old Pete found that Catwife did not age well with me. There are just too many holes in the story. You don't notice them if you only hear it once, like people did in the old days. In addition, if there had been scenery, Karloff would have been chewing it. He gets to this high-pitched level of hysteria and can't seem to bring himself down from it. And the rest of the cast is populated by stock company characters. The German butcher, the Irish cop, the no-good neighbors, and the harpy wife, who somehow turns into a giant cat. Whoa! In 1982, when I first heard it, it was horror. But in 2019, it's a bad comedy. So Catwife wins worst of the worst with me. Don't send me letters. So that's it, I guess. I know I promised to keep it short, so a pox upon me for a lousy varlet. Thanks for the opportunity to weigh in. I'm Pete Lutz, and you can find my podcasts, The Cellar and Old Time Radio Essentials, at www.naradaradio.libsyn.com. That's N-A-R-A-D-A-R-A-D-I-O dot libsyn dot com. Or on your favorite podcatcher by searching Narada Radio Company. While you're there, check out my previous audio drama series, Pulpery Theater, and Jake Dimes' Range Detective, plus a number of OTR remakes created over the past few years. We now return you to our regularly scheduled program. Thank you for your votes, Tim, Amy, and Pete. Now, before we reveal our votes and declare the winners, we'd like to pause the proceedings to do what we do best. Listen to old-time radio. We're very proud to present a recently discovered, never-before-heard, one-of-a-kind recording. 
It hasn't been 100% authenticated yet, but we bought it for a lot of money from some guy on Reddit named War of the Noobs 2X2L, so we're pretty sure it's legit. Now let's listen to The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from the Mercury Theater on the Air, originally broadcast April 1st, 1939. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The Columbia Broadcast System and its affiliated stations present... Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Orson Welles. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know me as the man who directed, produced, and starred in a little radio play called The War of the Worlds, a broadcast that caused panic from coast to coast and taught our nation a terrible lesson. You people are idiots, and I am a genius. I humbly request you bear that fact in mind as you listen to another brilliant idea by me, a radio adaptation of a silent film. Yes, the Mercury Theater on the Air is proud to present my very own interpretation of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. To give voice to this spine-chilling tale of a crazed kraut and his goose-stepping sonambulist, I have with me two no-talent hacks forced upon me by CBS. Yes, it is my great displeasure to introduce two of Hollywood's most placeless European accents, Mr. Peter Laurie. It's a pleasure to be here, I... A terrible, tantalizing pleasure that threatens to consume my very soul, slowly driving me to the brink of madness. The brink, I tell you! The, the brink! And Mr. Bella Lugosi. That's, uh, that's all I got. I hate you already. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to turn out your lights and huddle together like the mindless sheep you are as I herd you toward a mysterious fair on the outskirts of a small German town. A hunched man in a tall black hat addressed a crowd of onlookers. The torchlight cast strange, crooked shadows against the tent wall as he uttered these terrifying words. Blay! Step right up! See the amazing somnambulist, this inhuman curiosity who has slept in his cabinet for over 25 years! But now I, the great Dr. Caligari, shall awaken him before your very eyes! Blay! Caligari made a grand showman's gesture and stepped aside to reveal a coffin-like cabinet. Slowly, it began to open. What the hell was that supposed to be? Sounds like Pinocchio passing a squeaky one. Coffins don't sound like that. Trust me on this. Mr. Lugosi, it is not a coffin. It is a cabinet. My script describes it as coffin-like to evoke a sense oh. of... Bull crap! It looks like a coffin. It should sound like a coffin. Like this. That's if it's pine, of course. Oak has more resonance like this. Gentlemen, please, can we get back to the script? I, I have a date tonight, and there's only so much oxygen in the trunk of my car. Ladies and gentlemen, I do apologize. What you've just heard, coarse language, and the admission of holding someone captive in the trunk of a car, they're... They're all part of the magic of live radio. We're live, son We of a- return now to the carnival and hopefully the script, where Dr. Caligari has just opened his cabinet. A cabinet that is merely coffin-like, not a literal coffin, to reveal a pale, black-clad figure. No awake, somnambulist. Aye, Caligari, command it. Bleh. Mr. Lugosi, where in my finely crafted script do you see the word blah? It's called embellishment, you little peace hand. One more blah, and I'm replacing you with Carla. <laughs> Suddenly, the doctrine eyes of the synambulist opened. Oh, hello. How did all you people get into my cabinet? <laughs> That's my little joke. <laughs> laugh, damn you, laugh! Ladies and gentlemen. The somnambulist knows all the secrets. Ask him about your future, if you dare. Blah! Lugosi! I mean, blah, too. Gesundheit. That's German for if you sneeze one more time, I'll kill you. Despite their idiotic ad-libs, 
I found myself inexplicably drawn to Caligari and his somnambulist. I struggled through the throng until I stood at the foot of the stage. Does anyone have a question for my somnambulist? Are you there, the one who takes himself way too seriously? Resisting the urge to run screaming, I asked the somnambulist my burning question. How long will I live? Oh, I have no idea, but I do know this. At dawn, you shall befriend a puppy. An adorable little schnauzer dog named Shirley. No! The line is, you don't have long, at dawn you die! Yes, I, I know, it's just that I wanted to demonstrate my range as an actor, show that I could play a nice, well-adjusted character. The last thing I want is to be typecast as a, a raving lunatic who, who frosts at the mouth and screams at the end of every line. Every line! You better start swimming, Pally, because that ship has sailed. Oh, yeah, well, Todd Browning cast you in the wrong film, you, you freak! That's it! You're fired! Both of you! Call back to whatever hellhole spawned you! I'll, I'll finish the show myself! October 10th, 1985. What? You wanted to know how long you have to live. I'm telling you, on October 10th, 1985, Orson Wales will die! Whoa, that's some creepy Please! Shit. Oh. Mr. Mojo here has predicted my death 45 years from now. The chills are absolutely coursing down my spine. Oh, you want chills, Orson Welles? I'll give you chills. Two years from now, at the tragically young age of 25, you will unexpectedly write and direct the greatest movie of all time. Ominous prophecy isn't your strong suit, is it? You're like a cheerful fourth witch who tells Macbeth everything's fine because when the forest comes to the castle, it will make a great spot for a picnic. Macduff will bring the potato salad! I don't understand the reference, but still. Zing! I said you'll make the greatest movie of all time. What I didn't say is that it will take 20 years for anybody to give a damn. And by then, it will be too late, because you'll be too old and crazy and fat. Beastly fat, like go on a diet to play Falstaff fat. Yeah, you're not the only one who can make a pretentious Shakespeare illusion. Me! Ha <laughs> ha fat! <laughs> Impossible! You can already see it a little around the jowls. Shut up! I don't want to hear this. It's madness! Madness? I'll tell you what's madness. Casting Charlton Heston as a Mexican. Selling no wine before it's time. Dropping dead of a heart attack and leaving the rights to your unfinished masterwork in the hands of the Shah of Iran's brother-in-law. That's madness, Orson Welles! Madness! I... Can't be the only doomed man here. What about Lugosi? Surely some cruel fate awaits him, too? No, wait. Uh, let me try to guess. This is fun. Oh, I will marry six times, become a drug addict, and die broke and unloved. Oh, it's not quite that bad, Bela. You'll only be married five times, and thanks to all the drugs, you'll keep your boy's figure. Ah, take that, fat man. What about you, Laurie? You're extremely forthcoming when it comes to our futures, but decidedly taciturn about your own. Is it because you two are destined to depart this world in squalor and disgrace? Oh, quite the contrary, Orson Welles. My future is as bright as yours is spherical. I will continue to appear in motion pictures for the rest of my life, including classics like The Maltese Falcon and Casablanca. My comedic abilities will finally be recognized thanks to a dark little comedy called Arsenic and Old Lace. I will have the honor of being the first actor to play a James Bond villain. My final screen appearance will be in a film by one of France's most acclaimed directors, Jerry Lewis. Decades after my death, I will inspire the voice and hilarious hijinks of a world-famous cartoon chihuahua. Most significant of all, in the year 2017, three dashing middle-aged men will, will create a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. Not only will these fine gentlemen unconditionally love my entire body of work, they, they will write and perform a comedy sketch featuring me as a, a lovable fortune teller and you as a ridiculous, self-absorbed egomaniac. <laughs> Oh, no, it can't be true. They'll love me when I'm dead. Do you hear me? They'll love me when I'm dead. Can we wrap this sucker up? I still need to score some morphine. Tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations have brought you yet another reason to write us angry letters. Join us next week when Orson Welles presents a dramatization of Henry Miller's famous novel, Tropic of Cancer, featuring special guests Mae West and Donna Michi. What could possibly go wrong? 
This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Other than the guy playing Orson Welles, that was terrible. I liked Peter Lorre. I, thought, uh, you, I always liked Peter Lorre. good. He's become a caricature of himself. <laughs> <laughs> but an amazing caricature, you have to admit. Yeah. He does yeah. a really good impression of himself. Yeah. <laughs> the point we're trying to say is classic. Oh, yes. yes. Classic. classic. Stands <laughs> test time. Very well written. All right, gentlemen, it's time to reveal our votes. But first, as a reminder, here is where the voting stands. Uh, for the worst of, we have one vote for the house and the brain from Weird Circle. One vote for Legacy for a Ghost from the Lone Ranger, one vote for the Queen of Cats from Mysterious Traveler, and three votes for Catwife from Lights Out. On the other end of the spectrum, the best of votes are one vote for The Long Night from Suspense, one vote for The Cave of Night from X-1, one vote for The Snowman Killing from Fear on 4, one tie vote for Come to the Bank from Lights Out and Fugue in C Minor from Suspense, and two votes for The Indestructible Mike Matter from yours truly, Johnny Dollar. I think these are going to be some deciding votes, fellas. <laughs> so I really struggled with a number of things, as did everybody. Uh, the Haunted Trailer really was something that I struggled with. I wouldn't call it the worst, though, because by the time our discussion of the podcast was over, I had a perspective from Joshua that made me realize, oh, it may not be my cup of tea, but I can't vote it as the worst because that may be my opinion, but that's not a really good vote to make when you know that someone else finds merit to something that is supposed to be comedy and had zero comedy in it and, and I, <laughs> are you voting for it or are you not voting for it I, I am not I'm like thank you ouch thank you ouch <laughs> it's a bold experiment Eric yeah that's exactly right bold uh, there was also Catwife certainly uh, you can make a great argument for it I really do have to go with the house and the brain I have no idea what was going on in that. None. Zero. I, I still can't make any sense. I can make some sense out of Catwife. Yeah. It's a woman turns into a cat. At least, what? <laughs> at least I could follow a thread. House in the Brain is all over the place. So that's my vote for worst. And my vote for best, again, an amazing list, but I have to go with The Long Night. Um, it's so well acted and written and produced and um, so much tension and so much realistic suspense. I have to give it the edge over all of that. And I have to say, I'm confused by everybody's indestructible Mike Matter vote. <laughs> I think it's just fine, but I don't find it comparable to the rest of that list. But then again. I think part of the issue with the indestructible Mike Matter for me is that it's a serial. And so it is a little meandering. It is a little repetitive. Uh, by definition, a serial can't be a really lean, taut script by the nature of what a serial is. So it is hard for that to compete with 30-minute mm -hmm. suspense scripts, right. for example. And in our conversation, we talked about it, that this is a series that is consistently good that doesn't necessarily have the one peerless episode. Mm -hmm. Right. I just The Long Night for me uh, was the uh, most uh, compelling and uh, the most effect uh, of anything we listened to all year. It had a huge effect on me. All right. Well, Tim? Sure. Uh, my vote for worst, probably no surprise to either of you fellows, is The Red Hand. Uh, I feel a little responsible for having brought it here because... A little? A you're little. totally responsible. 100% responsible. Um, but I also feel responsible for how bad it was, even though I, I had nothing to do with the production. But part of why it's the worst is because it's not an adaptation of the short story by Arthur Machen that I thought it was. I did listen to it first and just assumed it was a very, very loose adaptation. <laughs> a very no-element-is-there adaptation of that short story. At any rate... Uh, it's not good, and I feel bad. <laughs> so the red hand is my vote for the worst. Should we remind the audience why we even did the red hand, Tim? Sure. I have really loosey-goosey, weird parameters where we're picking episodes, uh, and so I just like, I wonder if anyone's done an adaptation of Arthur Machen. Every time I say his name, I think, I'm pronouncing that wrong. 
<laughs> Arthur Makin? Makin? I'm going to say Makin. Arthur Makin. A great, great writer. Love him to bits. And so I Googled, and the internet said, yes. Uh, I think it was The Weird Circle mm-hmm. that said there's an adaptation of his, of his short story, The Red Hand. And I said, great. And I listened to it, and like I said, that seems strange, but sure, we'll go with it. And so I sent it to these guys, and then later found out the internet lied to me. <laughs> that was Arch Obler who wrote that. Oh, uh, yeah. Arch. Sure. Respect to Arch Obler, but he's not <laughs> Arthur Mocken making Mocken. Internet! <laughs> so let this be a warning to you all. It was Arch Obler. <laughs> On the flip side, my vote for best, uh, I first got to give some love to some episodes that I really, really adored, even though I didn't get my vote for. Uh, the Quiet Please episode of Quiet Please, phenomenal writing. Uh, the Outsider from Black Mass, uh, I'm a Lovecraft fan in general, and that made me fall in love again with a story i kind of given up on. Uh, and Cave of Night from X-1, mm-hmm. all three of those I thought were great, great uh, writing um, and performances, and I really liked them. But when it came down to, I got to pick a best of, there were sort of three fighting for it. Ooh. One was Fugue and C Minor. Yes. Really good. And one was Long Night, but neither of those took the spot for me. It was, in fact, The Man Who Hated Scenes from Ooh. The Price of Fear. Both Long Night and Man Who Hated Scenes, I really, really liked because they are effective episodes because they are radio. It is the sound um, that gives it such a punch, like Amy said in her, uh, her description mm-hmm. of it. It's, it makes you wince. Yeah, nothing like listening to people dive into an empty pool. <laughs> yeah, I like that the best. <laughs> that has my vote. Wow, okay. Well, for worst of, I'm going to agree with Tim. I'm voting for the red hand from the weird circle. It just commits the cardinal sin for me that episodes like the house in the brain doesn't commit and cat wife does not commit. And that is, it is boring. If you're going to be bad, be bad in style. You know, right. this shoots for little and achieves less. <laughs> you know, this is a show that's content with its own mediocrity. So definitely the worst of this year. All three of us broke from the common wisdom of listeners and some of our guests of cat wife. Mm-hmm. And it is terrible. Cat wife. I will continue to argue to my dying day, you'll be throwing dirt in my face. And I'll still be like, one more thing about Catwife. But <laughs> I think it is Arch Obler doing horror and satire at the same time. And I think audiences of the day would have found the scary stuff scarier than we do today. And the winking satire, they would have caught on to it. And I think it's being judged by the wrong standards. But that's just me. <laughs> I'm... Just reeling about what your funeral's going to be like. <laughs> so while you're still alive, <laughs> we'll put you in the ground. We all have to shovel dirt well, on I you while you scream. While you defend Catwife. It gets to the point that I won't stop talking about Cat Life, that people just throw me in a hole. <laughs> all right. For my best of 2019, this was a hard one for me. Tim and Eric and all of our guests have mentioned many that I would definitely agree with. I want to call out a couple that have not been mentioned, and that is I Saw Myself Running from Escape, which I thought was fabulous. Yes. And Mission Completed from Suspense Mm -hmm. is still one of my all-time favorites. And I want to throw in there, because I didn't mention it during mine, I come to the bank that Amy Mm -hmm. had mentioned. I was really thrilled with that. That would be the one I would call out, like, that was a fantastic episode. Yeah, so there are a lot of honorable mentions here. Yes. But I'm going to have to agree with our guest, Tim, and with Eric, and have to say The Long Night from Suspense. It is such an amazing script. It's deceptively complex mm-hmm. um, because it seems on one level to be this pretty straightforward but really lean mean suspense edge of your seat story but on this other level it also works as a real emotional drama because of the stakes that it's a father and his son up there in the plane but because the father has put his son in this predicament out of ego and cowardice it's a morality play as well and then on this another level it 
is a story about the power of radio as a medium. Um, as mm-hmm. Tim mentioned about it, that it, it could only be done in radio. It's a story about trusting the voice, voice. on the radio yeah. to trust what they're saying, not your senses, to go along mm-hmm. with the story they're creating. And so there's, it's just beautiful. The performances, Frank Lovejoy captures this frustration, this determination. The guy who plays the father... I'm not cheering up. But I had, <laughs> he had a little something in my throat there. But he captures this guilt and this desperation, too. And his resignation at the end mm. is really powerful uh, when he knows he can't do what the Frank Lovejoy character is asking him to do to bring this plane down. So, yes, the long night for me. Plus, when it was done, it made me go revisit watching Airplane with Dean Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and I had forgotten... What a wonderful movie that is. It truly is. And I'm not kidding. I didn't think that would stand the test of time. But because of The Long Night, I gave that another shot and went, oh, my gosh, you're still a really good movie, Airplane. (laughs) Thank you for the laughs, Long Night. (laughs) (laughs) Not that Airplane. I meant Airport. Oh, Airport. Airport with Dean Martin. (laughs) Sorry. Hilarious. That is a huge mistake on my part. (laughs) Plus, it made me go back and watch Airport with Dean Martin. You can choose to edit that up if you want. (laughs) No, I think it's perfect just like that. Well, that means that we have official winners now. Ladies and gentlemen, according to our voting system that we just made up on the fly, (laughs) the winner of the 2019 Worst of Morals is... Catwife. From Lights Out. Congratulations, Catwife. (laughs) (laughs) And the winner, I didn't see this coming, for the best of, is The Long Night. From Suspense. You and I just put it over with our votes. The fix is in, I think. No, (laughs) we did not speak ahead of time. No, not at all. This was really awesome. So uh, we just want to thank everybody for contributing their votes, the people who voted online, our guests of honor who recorded their votes for us, um, and the listeners who've listened all year with us. We love you all. Thank you so much. And uh, as an added bonus, uh, we are going to be creating some uh, long night and catwife Worst of and best of posters oh. uh, that you can get on Threadless. I was hoping you'd say pajamas. It's an option. Long night pajamas would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a kid's face pressed up against a window of an airplane with wide eyes. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it's going to be tasteful. <laughs> you can Cat trust wife, not so much. No. 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 The posters are cool, though. I love that. I'll Our, get those. Are they free for me? No. <laughs> They're not even free for us. We still have to buy them off Threadless. So. Again, thank you, everybody. And until next year. Join us next week when Orson Welles presents a dramatization of Henry Miller's famous novel, Tropic of Cancer, featuring special guests Mae West and Donna Meachme. (laughs) (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? I'll meet you. Let me try again.